welcome to the Platform Comics Podcast. I am Tucker. And if you don't already know, our short comic competition is uh, starting up now. We've got a lot of great prizes, a bunch of cool judges involved, uh, some very generous sponsors. Kablam Printing is giving everybody who enters the competition 10% off on printing, regardless if you win or lose the competition. I mean, nobody really loses a competition. But even if you don't win, uh, you get a discount on printing. So that's very nice of them. Um, Check it out if you make comics or you know anybody who makes comics. Go to platformcomics.com. My guest today is David Brooke. He writes reviews for AIPTcomics.com. That's Adventures in poor taste. They are actually a sponsor of the competition as well. They're offering uh, to publish a review of the winning comic and the runner-up comic. If you make or read comics, you probably know about their website. They don't just do comic books. They talk about movies, pop culture, uh, manga. I think they also have a wrestling section, which is not my uh, cup of tea particularly, but they are growing and doing really well. He personally has written over 2,700 reviews. He says it could actually be higher because the aggregator Uh, Might have missed a few hundred, but either way, it's a lot of comics. He writes about Marvel DC comics all the way down to indie Kickstarter comics. Any comic, no matter what it is, he really gives it the respect that it deserves. You can tell he really respects the art of reviewing. We talk about that, about how a critic can kind of maybe put to words the things you're feeling and maybe uh, shine a light on something you didn't see and and, and show it to you in a different light. So there really is a value to, um, you know, good critique. And if you're trying to make it as a creative person, you should be super open to criticism. He talks about a few people who gave, he gave him a mediocre score and they just wailed on him rather than, you know, say, hey, well, maybe this guy has a point. Maybe there's a reason why I didn't get a 10 out of 10. And of course, because this podcast and really all of Platform Comics is all about being a valuable resource for aspiring creators, we do talk with David about what he sees when he gets submissions from amateur creators versus when he gets something from a professional creator that's been published. You know, what are the obvious signs? What are the patterns he sees, you know, in the writing and the art. And hopefully that's information that you can take away and and sort of stop yourself before you fall into the traps of, you know, common amateur mistakes. If you're trying to make comics as a writer, artist, whatever, critics like David are an invaluable resource because he will tell you how your comic is great, how it's on par with the best and where it's lacking and where you need to improve. So if you're sending out you know, your comic to an email address from some review website. Well, now you kind of get to hear the perspective of the person on the other side of that email. And if you are interested in critiquing comics, writing about comics, he talks about getting into that as well. Uh, AIPT has like a submissions page. He describes how to apply. And he also gives out a, a few great resources that um, he says has helped him kind of understand what it means to be a good critic and that sort of thing. I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, you know, a writer or an artist, you know, they're focused on their craft, their style, the way they like to work. These guys who review comics, they're reading every genre, every style from every kind of creator. So it really interesting perspective. And I'd like to have more comic reviewers on the podcast. So that said, here is my interview with David Brooke. So I guess to start off, one question is, do you make comic books at all? I do not make comic books. I have friends that do make comic books and I've actually, actually that, actually that's not true. I have a graphic design friend who's asked me twice to write scripts because I actually went to school for screenwriting, wrote a bunch of movies and then kind of fell off the wagon. But I have some experience writing uh, visual storytelling and I've given him two different scripts and he's produced those, but I don't make comics, no. <laughs> do you think, I mean, maybe you don't know this, but do like other people who critique comics and review comics, do they uh, make comics or is that 
just kind of like a different breed of person? It's a good question. Um, so at APT, we have a staff of about 40, you know, it goes up and down all the time because obviously people leave and whatnot. But um, I would say mostly it's folks who want to write books that are on our staff. Um, we don't really have any artists, uh, I don't think, that are like trying to produce uh, comic book work. But I do know there's a couple people that want to make comics. It's just about finding the time and motivation. It's really hard. I, I know that from experience reviewing indie books, I try to review stuff from folks that you know are just trying to break in or, or, or who are doing a Kickstarter here and there in the past. And it's a tough game because you know I review these books. I try to be honest as well in my reviewing and maybe give them a critique that will help them down the line. But ultimately, um, I don't see them again. Um, I don't know. It's really hard. That's why you guys are important. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. So you don't write write comics, but you do write a lot of reviews. I mean, I think yeah. you've written over 2,700 reviews. Is that correct? That's around there. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I I know that number based on comicbookroundup.com, um, <laughs> which isn't always a hundred percent accurate. Like sometimes they don't. Their aggregator doesn't pull in the reviews. But yeah, that's the around the number that that they. But say it's in I the. Have. It's certainly in the thousands, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you definitely like to write, and you definitely like comic books. You just yes. never like to write comic books. Do you think that that's like a little <laughs> weird, or is that like is it just like a different? You love comics in a different way. I mean, obviously, there's like you know Roger Ebert review yes. movies he never made movies like that's totally oh awesome, yeah but so it's funny you say that when i was in college you know obviously like i said before i was i went to school for screenwriting and i've made a lot of short films but i also at the time was writing a lot of movie reviews and i actually really really respected and loved roger ebert's work and you know i kind of i was reading him a lot mostly at the time maybe peter travers a little bit too but he's a little bit more pop anyway um so yeah i uh i, I was writing movie reviews all throughout that. And then eventually I was asked from one of the AIPT staff to come and bring my movie reviews over. And I was like, Hey, why don't I do comic reviews? Let's try this out. So it was like a natural move, um, from the guy who made short films and idolized movies to the guy who was like, Hey, maybe I can idolize comics in the same way. Um, sorry, I'm just going on and on. But one other thing I wanted to say is like Roger Ebert, I feel like he took writing uh, movie reviews to another, another another level, and that respect I think went into my comic book reviewing. I feel like criticism can be its own art form, and a lot of people don't see it that way. It's almost it. it I feel like a lot of people see it in a negative way, though. Like you know how they say like um, you know teachers are just they're just the people who failed at the career they're teaching. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) And I feel like it's the same for criticism. People are like, oh, well that person just doesn't know how to make movies and that's why they write uh, movie reviews. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I feel like writing a review isn't just saying what's bad and good, but also imparting what made it sort of strike you and sharing in that experience can help others understand something in a new light, right? Like if somebody writes an amazing review about an opera and I have no interest in opera, but they somehow bring out this joy that comes from it, I am now excited and want to experience it too. It's about, I don't know, it's about human interaction, I suppose, in a sense. I, was, I want to say like a, like a boxing coach doesn't have to box, but he understands like, or, mm. you know, what the boxer is doing and what he could do better. Right. You know, like tennis players have coaches still, even though they're the best in the world. There is, but that that's not the same because that's not a review. But it's like you can kind of <laughs> yeah. know a lot about something and not necessarily have to be good at it, um, 
or know what's good when you see it yeah without actually being able to do it your analogy kind of makes sense in a in one way though i've had uh comic writers reach out to me and say can you read the scripts like whatever i said in a review that struck them they wanted more feedback like so it was constructive for them too that's interesting um, it is interesting and it's also kind of weird too cuz as soon as you start that relationship with the creator it makes it makes me worried that my criticism isn't going to be as honest because now I'm being influenced by this outside, you know, uh, influencer. Right. When it's not, when it's not so a big part of writing reviews, I feel like is um, trying to analyze your own interpretation and your own feelings so that you're not being biased um, and like changing your opinion based on whatever because you know the person or because you know that day you're in a bad mood. It's, there's so many factors. And do you feel like? Um after 2,700 reviews, like you kind of, I'm assuming there's some books that you probably already like them before you've even read them because you like the writer or whatever. And mm. you have to kind of like, okay, let's pretend that I don't know who this is. And yeah, you know, and you know, I've done that before. I do that. I do that all the time. I do, I do that with every review, but and it's gotten me in trouble because uh, I've had writers uh, email me and, and they're sort of upset. They're like, that's not a, that's not a 9.0 comic at a 10. That's a 9.5 or a 10. And I just go right back at them. I'm like, well, I stand by the criticisms I put into the book and why it's not a perfect book. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird realm. So you have written a lot of reviews. Did you? And you mentioned that you started writing f- comics with AIPT. So you never wrote comic reviews before that. No, and this was I started with AIPT about God seven years ago, almost eight years ago. And have all the comic reviews you've done been with them? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. every okay, single so one. So you're you're a you're in deep with with uh, with with the corporation. Yes, I'm actually one of the three partners. Um, they brought originally I wasn't, but it's like 20, 30 hours of work a week because I'm I also manage all of our um, comic book review copies with our team. You know, and then we also have relationships with like HBO and stuff now. So like, well, yeah, you you mentioned a lot of work. I mean, I think I saw yesterday there were like six reviews that you published, like you under your name. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. I, how does that work? Did you read and review six comics yesterday? Or are these just kind of like you do them over time and release them all at once? So uh, I used to write 15 to 20 reviews a week. Um, probably why my number is so high of 2,700. Um, when I started at AIPT, uh, we didn't get anything from publishers. Publishers will send out review copies to websites for their consideration. And originally I was I was actually spending $80 a week on Comixology to review stuff the day, the we- new comic book day, right, on Wednesdays. But slowly but surely, like, um, I made contact with Dark Horse, with IDW, uh, with Image, eventually Marvel, and then finally DC. Um, and they all send uh, digital water-copied um, review copies uh, at different times. You, uh, some some are like the Friday before Wednesday. Some are only like the Monday before Wednesday. Do you ever get physical copies? Dark Horse once used to send me stuff. Uh, DC actually, when we started uh, working with them, they would send me like 20 physical issues a week and it was becoming wow. a lot. <laughs> they Thankfully, in a sense, in a sense, they stopped doing that. Uh, Marvel will send us trade paperbacks to review. Um, but that's about it these days. But do they have like a certain expectation? Not that you're going to give them a good review, but that you're going to like review everything they send you? Uh, with Marvel, at first it wasn't. It was just like, here's stuff. But then they actually made a rule that if you don't review it, you'll lose your your opportunity to um, 
get stuff. Wow. Everybody else, they kind of just send you stuff. Like DC sends me trades sometimes. I think the there's like, you know, there's obviously an underlining implication that, you know, you should write something about this. But at the same time, we've, <laughs> I don't know, if you look at our reviews, some of our viewers are quite negative too. Like I just, some people just don't like a lot of stuff and that doesn't stop us. I mean, I've never told any of our reviewers, hey, you know, you got that for free. You should give it a better score. So going back to this, like six reviews that you published yesterday, like walk me through like how, yeah. when did you read those comics? When did you review them? Are you reading them all and then reviewing them later? Or do you review immediately after you read? That's a good question. Um, Sidetrack, at San Diego Comic-Con last, last year, I reported for AIPT there. And I got to interview Joe Hill and we talked about comic book criticism for a little while. It was kind of it was kind of fascinating. He said something like uh, he's never read a bad review that he w- didn't think was completely true. We were talking about writing in general and how you might get an idea, but you can't actually write it down right away. It takes uh, overnight or a couple hours to sort of let it percolate and marinate in your mind, and that's the same with reviews. I think, and for me anyway, um, I'll read a, b- a book and I won't review it for a couple hours or even the next day. So I don't know what six reviews they were because I don't remember everything I write. Uh, they probably were a lot of them were Marvel, uh, which they sent on Monday. So I read those that night, and I probably started writing some the next day. Um, oh, and there was, there was two DC reviews I did this last week as well. And they send books on Friday. So I ended up reading them on Saturday and probably wrote them on Sunday. So, you know, you don't like have to be fresh and do you give them like a second read or a second look through or anything like that? I definitely have the book open when I'm writing, uh, and flip, especially for art. Uh, you know, I think that's one problem for a lot of comic book reviewers is that they're, they all have writing backgrounds, but not art backgrounds. And I've tried to pick up as much knowledge as I can over the years, um, as far as not only like lingo, like the word gutters, uh, but right. you know, a better understanding of what it, what good inking is and what bad inking is or what good coloring is. And I mean, obviously over the last seven years, I, I can say for certain that art, the art, the art game of these creators is rising. So I think it makes it a little harder because things just, I mean, you look at a Frank Miller comic from, you know, 89 and it's a lot different from a comic this year, 2019. Yeah. So yeah, I don't ever, but to your point though, I don't ever reread the book. I actually really just read it once. I I start to think about, you know, what I'm going to say, like I said before, like I'll give it some thinking, I'll give it some time. And then I just sit and I start writing. That's probably one of the reasons why I review so many books and I've always valued writing these reviews too, in that not necessarily because they're going to be read by anybody, but because I do believe in that. What is that idea that, uh, that, oh, what is the author's name? He, uh, the 10,000 hour rule. Do you know that rule? Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Gladwell. And how the Beatles, you know, they right. played in dive bars 10 for 10,000 hours. I, I, I believe that. And I don't know how baloney it is, but <laughs> I do believe that since I'm spending a concerted number of hours a week writing reviews, it has to be helping me write in other areas, even though I'm not writing any screenplays well, right now. That was one of my questions is, because like you've written thousands of reviews and you know, obviously you love comics. Yeah. But maybe this is a blunt question because it's like, I'm assuming you're not making a ton of money reviewing comics. No. So like, aside from the fact that you love comics, like... Is there anything else in it for you? Like, does it help your career in some way? Is it the writing experience? Does it give you some kind of credibility for other things you want to do? Well, I mean, the site is getting more and more successful every year. Um, You know, when I started, we were probably only about 30,000 unique views a month. And now we're up there pushing 500,000 and rising. Wow. 
Um, so in that sense, that's, you know, it's, it's sort of fun to run a website I've found, which is a big part of it. But I mean, there's also other perks too, like getting to go to conventions for free, like San Diego Comic-Con. I got to go all four days and I know people that couldn't go one day because they sold out so fast. And I take that very seriously. And I do not, uh, I do not, uh, slow down. I wrote 19 articles, uh, on, at San Diego Comic-Con this last year, and I still have an interview or two to transcribe. So that's definitely one perk to it. I, I think there's, I don't know. I grew up landscaping with my father and. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just went. Where's this going? <laughs> totally left field again, but get this. When you mow a lawn, you feel pride in it, even though it's someone else's lawn and you got to mow 28 more lawns. Actually, our record was 38 lawns in one day. Oh, wow. And I feel like doing that for, I did it for 15 years because I started when I was young. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> I feel like that driving, driving, driving and working and getting getting a review done, there is a joy in getting that work done, getting it into WordPress, getting the pictures set up, getting the score right, putting the pros and cons and making every little bit of that a joy. <laughs> there was actually, um, two weeks ago, our website was having a lot of trouble because of the server. And a lot of us couldn't even log in, even though we were still getting like 30 views a, a second. I don't know how these people were wa- reading the site, but almost everyone who works for the site couldn't get in. And I swear to God, I started feeling, uh, getting in, uh, uh, falling into a depression because wow. <laughs> I had uh, Marvel trades on my desk that I could review because I already had read them. Uh, you know, I knew there was going to be a, a Justice League out. I had to review because I'm trying to, I'm trying to break a record. We have uh, most, uh, most books reviewed in a single series. I'm surprised you don't already have that record. I did. I had it for Superior Spider-Man. I reviewed every single issue, but it ended, of course, at like 33 or something. And we had another reviewer come in and do X-Men Blue, and he did every issue, and that went up to like 36. But Justice League is at 30 next time, next issue, so I'm, I only have five more issues that I can get my record yeah, back. Yeah, you got this one. But anyway, I, I'm like, man, I'm like uh, just going but on But I guess the, the question what I'm trying to get at is like, yeah. you're clearly so passionate about it. Yeah. Um, but is there like, and you mentioned the 10,000 hours, like as if you're building towards something, like, is there like a mm. career goal with it? Like, I'm just imagining somebody yeah. who wants to like review comics. Like, is mm. there an end goal? Is it, can you make a living doing it? And like, I don't know, move on to some higher, I mean, I don't know what it would be, but. Uh, well, as I said before, uh, I've written a lot of screenplays. I feel like all this work in AIPT will help with any screenplays I might write in the future. As far as a career in writing reviews, I really don't think there is one. Um, I don't think there's much of a career in writing reviews for most mediums um, these days because you can get it for free so many places on the internet, right? Right. Now, I do, and maybe this is my ego talking, but I do feel like if I keep pushing, right, and I keep writing reviews and I get that number up to 6,000 reviews, (laughs) I do see... Like, maybe I could be this great critic that people turn to. I don't know if that's ever possible, but... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we, we're we doing this because we love it, right? I think every single person who writes for AIPT, and that includes the editors who like to, you know, read over people's work and correct their grammar. On top of that, a lot of us like to write. And yeah, there is an end goal for a lot of us, we're hoping. But if you're not a hard worker, I don't know how you'd stay in this game. There's a lot of websites writing reviews. There's like 30 or 40, but a lot of them give out 10s, I think, just to try to get that retweet. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure in the long run that's not great because the reviews are essentially for 
people who are interested in comics and want to hear like an interesting take. Right. And yeah, you know, read a book and then say, after I read it, I want to, I want to hear what, you know, David had to say about it because I like the way he takes on it. And if the person's giving a really superficial, like, yeah, just blowing smoke up the ass of the creators, you know, why would you want to read that? You know, uh, it's funny. That, uh, you just made me think about how, like, we have two reviewers, Ritesh Babu and Ari Bard, and they both, their reviews are tend to be a thousand to three, maybe even 4,000 words each. And meanwhile, I'm writing 500 to 800 with a trade, maybe 1,200 words. And I've always approached writing reviews for the internet in a particular way. Like I, I don't expect people to be sitting on my review and reading it for five minutes. I try to get in and get out is my approach. Um, but well, to your point, our, our reviewer, Ritesh, I mean, he's writing these Green Lantern reviews. Liam Sharp, the artist on it right now, he keeps treating him out and saying, good God, this guy is just breaking this down so well. He's getting into it so deep that I could, the value of his review is that even if you've read the book, you could go read his review and see things you did not see. So there's value there too. Take it. I just, I just kind of get a little bit more into like the the technical aspects of how how the machine works. Like I'm sure AIPT is not exactly the same as every other review website. But so you mentioned uh, publishers send you copies. Yeah. Um, what about um, like non-published or, or non-big publisher stuff, like indie creators or maybe a, a, a small uh, indie publisher? Are they just emailing you stuff and you're kind of wading through it and deciding what's worth it? Uh, so yeah, we don't get a lot, honestly. We There was a period where we were getting a lot of folks um, offering up their books or Kickstarter uh, books because a lot of these Kickstarters are already done and they're just sort of trying to support the publication of it. Um, I, we have not gotten that many in a while, but... When we do, I always, every single opportunity, I kick to the team and I say, anyone want to do this? I tend to try to give everyone um, the first crack at the opportunities. And I tend to do cleanup as far as covering any books that we, that are popular books that we might have to review or not have to review, but you know what I mean? Like, it'd be weird if we didn't have a review of House of X number two, you know? Right. Or if there's a uh, a creator who who's reached out and they're very genuine and not a jerk about it because that happens too, uh, I'll 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 put in the effort and I'll I'll devote that two hours on my weekend to read and review it and do my best to try to help them with the criticism. Um, and if it's amazing, I'll just glow over it, of course. But as far as like the big comics, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you get like first choice before you send it out to the kind of staff writers. You you say I want these are mine. I, 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 I could, I technically could, I don't usually do it. Uh, I, just the one book I'm trying to get the record on, which is justice league. That's pretty much the only one I put my name down on first, oh, okay. <laughs> but everything else, I open it up to the team. I mean, there are writers that were, I've taught, I talked to on the side and I'm like, Hey, I think you'd be really good at writing a review for this series. Cause they might have the perspective or the background to really hammer it home and give a interesting perspective. Uh, but for the most part, it's first come first serve at AIPT. So I kick to the team and then they look at our spreadsheet and they could put their name down and whoever puts their name down first gets it. So you did mention that you aren't getting that many submissions from outside people now, but what if, if somebody is making a comic right now and they would like to get a, a review, um, what what should they do? Should they just email the email on your website? They could email me, dave at adventuresandsupporttaste.com. And so even if it's really amateurish, you know, person's first comic, you'll take a look at it, you'll give it the time to to decide if it's worth reviewing or you'll throw it to your team. Like 
you kind of take in everything. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's really unfinished, I and it's I don't think I would even kick to the team. There was actually one case where a person sent me a book that that wasn't finished. Um, I gave them my honest opinion on it, though. I still wrote back to them, and they were very angry with me. <laughs> and they they basically said, "How dare you? I everyone I know loves this book." And I, I mean, I was super respectful and it's just, the art was just so unfinished looking. And there was, the story was, you know, at the same time I've reviewed Marvel books and given them sevens or even eights and I've been yelled at by the writers. So it's, it comes down to some people just can't take criticism and you, when you encounter that, you just have to roll with it because some people just can't take criticism. No, but I'm assuming, you know, a lot of people make comics, like a lot of people make movies, a lot of people make a lot of art and some people, yeah. Even if one day they're going to be awesome, maybe at this time they, they're just not good and you can't, ex- yeah. you know, like I would assume, obviously you let them down easy and you tell them nicely, you're not going to be like, hey man, your comic sucks. No. Fix your day job. But like. No. You can't review everything you mean? Not that you guys, I'm sure you could review a really bad comic and just give it a really low score. Well, yeah, ultimately that might hurt them though, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's the other thing. Like we, there's been some indie books that I. I said I was going to review and after I read it, I kind of wish I didn't say I was going to do it. But I, I'm a man of my word, and I did, and I ended up giving them like sixes or even fives, and they were really grateful that I did it. Honestly, I, they were like happy with it. The, the the fact that this our website, you know, put something out there with their book's title in it, well, it s- gave them some publicity, I guess. You said it earlier. I, I forget who you said you were interviewing, but that they said that every bad review is true or something like that. Uh, yeah, Joe Hill said I've never read a bad review that I didn't think was completely true. Right. So I mean, if you're and then, if, oh sorry, let me extend that. And every good review, he's suspicious of. Which, which I think, if you're like an honest creator, writer, artist, yeah. whatever, like that should be your attitude. That like you should have doubts and think when somebody points out the flaws, you should be like, "Yep, that's true." That's and try to improve and get better, rather than to say, "Right, like this person yeah. who got mad at you for not wanting to review their book." Like obviously, that person's never going to make it if they think they're they're already awesome. Taking criticism is a huge part of the arts, I think. And, you know, there are creators that go out there and they do their own thing for years and they, they get this cult following and they're they're great. But to break into an industry that is, you know, largely ruled by the big two and other publishers, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to break in if you can't work with people. That's something that I'm fascinated about in the comic book industry. I know for a fact, because uh, Marvel sends me trades, right? Yeah. And a lot of them are reprinting like books from the 80s, 90s. And I'll read these books and it's so nostalgic for me because I've been reading comics since like 92. And I'll say, I'll go, oh my God, what happened to this writer? What happened to this artist? And nine times out of 10, I bet you it's because that person was a jerk and just couldn't, people could not work with them. Even though they're highly talented, um, I have a feeling that if you can't collaborate, uh, even from afar then you probably have no way of really lasting in this industry. Yeah, you got to be really, really, really good to be also be able to be a jerk. Right, like, right. Yeah, if, if you're not selling a bunch of comics and winning awards, then I don't think you have the right to be a jerk. <laughs> uh, just kind of wrapping up the stuff about like your website and um, how you guys accept comics and go over them and who chooses them. What if uh, someone wa- is interested in reviewing for AIPT? Um, is it something where you take like writing samples from people? Yeah, uh, if you go to our website, if you go to the bottom of the page on, on the homepage, there's a write for AIPT link. And then from there, we give what we're looking for in writers, like for uh, what kind of content uh, writing. And then 
you can uh, you can submit uh, your your samples, and then we'll read them over. And and you're, and when you say samples, you mean like other reviews of comics? It doesn't have to be a review. It could be anything really. But if you want to write comic book reviews, uh, it would be helpful if you had some. Uh, and people from other sites like ours, like say Comicverse, they've submitted stuff, and uh, we were like, yeah, game, come on over. And that's actually this is the main way we've gotten writers in the last. I want to say two, three years now. Before that, it was all like, you know, friends of friends and stuff. And um, do you have any specific patterns you see with the people who submit their writing samples? Like who ends up getting, you know, impressing you? And is there something you see from the beginning where you say, oh yeah, this guy, this guy gets it or this girl gets it? Uh, No, you know, it's really just a matter of, you know, first and foremost is can they write? Is it clear? Is it concise? Is there, are there any errors? And uh, beyond that, I mean, can you hear their voice? We at AIPT do not tell people to write a certain way. There is no like AIPT way of writing. We want everyone's personality to come out strong through their writing. And if we see you through the writing, like that's a super ideal. Is there any like books or any resources where you kind of learn to or, or that it helped you improve as a as a critic um, that you would recommend to people, like things that they should read or how to improve at it? Um, there's a fantastic New Yorker article that I share with the team, um, when they join that is about writing criticism. And actually in that, in that article, the person, um, imparts a anecdote about a reviewer that reviewed operas and how it changed their way of thinking. That's something I kind of referred to earlier. Um, there's also a very good Mark Wade CBR back when he wrote for CBR, um, column about, what are gutters? What are, you know, all the terms uh, that you could use in your writing of reviews? Actually, I think I think Mark Wade's article is actually something like, I'm so sick of reviewers not using the right lingo, so here we go. <laughs> that makes sense, knowing the lingo and stuff. Because I guess when you're reading comics, maybe you don't know. Like, I, I hear people call them bubbles, the text balloons. Yeah, yeah. Instead of balloons, they call them bubbles. And I'm just, yeah. like, I guess when you're reading them, nobody tells you that. So, no. yeah, but if you want to be able to describe what you're seeing, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a radio host describing a visual thing. Like, you have to learn to use the language to, to explain. You, you can't just, you know, intuit a lot of this stuff because it's not on the page. Moving on to more of like the actual, I don't know, review process, the creative element of it. I, I, I just saw one of the reviews that you posted um, yesterday was for um, Sea of Stars, the Jason Aaron yeah. book. So like, walk me through that book. Like how did, like when you got it, your, what, it, what you're looking for as you read it. I mean, you don't have to use that exact comic. I just thought using a specific example might kind of invoke some memories, but um, yeah, like how, what are you, how are you experiencing the book? Well, I have a very uh, structured review style where I talk about, I first have an introduction, then I talk about why it matters. Then I talk about what's good. Then I talk about what's bad. Uh, and then I say my conclusion. So I've compartmentalized the process so that I can be more efficient and fast. You know, after you, I read it, obviously I give it some time and think about what struck me. And then because I've compartmentalized the review itself, I write each section as I get there. And I always start with the intro, then I go from why does it matter, then I go to good, and then I go to bad, and then I go to conclusion. So for Steve, I don't remember what I wrote in Sea of Stars, but it was probably something about the relationship between the father and the son and you know the human element there. I mean, ultimately, we're humans, right? And all we really care about is learning about other people. To Back to my structure, though, one reason why it's structured this way 
is I really do try to approach every review with what makes this good. There's a reason why this was published, right? It's not just because Jason Aaron's huge. Someone said, this is a great idea. And so I'm trying to get at that. And even in a bad comic, I can say something good about it. In fact, there are, uh, in some of my negative reviews, I probably have way more words than I should in the what's good. And then when you read the bad, you're like, oh, but you just said all this. But honestly, I think there is something good in all of this. And every creation anyone makes, from a toddler to a 90-year-old man, there's something good there. And that's what I'm trying to capture. So I'm trying to hone that. Uh, you know what's funny is a lot of critics I, I, I've talked to about this stuff, they say it's so much easier to write negative reviews but for me, it's impossible. Like a negative review is so much harder because you have to put a lot more effort into explaining what is bad because I know someone might read this and hate me forever, you know? <laughs> and it has to be like foolproof. It has to be like, no, no, here is yes. absolute evidence of why exactly. it didn't work. Right. Whereas what's good, it's like, it's my feelings, you know? Oh, well, it's, I love the way the, the facial expressions were drawn. Like, okay. Someone can just read that and go, uh-huh, okay, good. But for bad, like, why was the facial expression wrong? Like, why are the facial expressions drawn poorly? You have to really explain it and give detail and uh, examples. I start to think about, okay, the other books I read this week, how does this compare in a sense like, is this book better than the other book? Okay, if it's not, then what went, what went wrong? And that's where I try to dig in a little bit. Um, there are, We have reviewers that are, they have fun being mean. <laughs> and I think that's its own style that's perfectly viable and fine. But it's not my way. So I'm really just approaching it like, okay, what is what could be improved? So are you... Like when you're reading the comic, because you had this whole outline of your whole yeah this this template you have. When you're reading the comic, are you thinking about that at all, or are you just no. trying to enjoy it like a reader? Not at all. Yeah, it doesn't occur to me like what's going to go in any section. I don't even yeah. As soon as I sit down and start writing, that's when I start thinking about that. Now, where are you? Where are you sitting down? Just so anybody who wants to have <laughs> you review their comics uh-huh. and they want to write specifically for your review, they're like you're sitting down on your comfy chair. You got a a beer or something? Uh, I'm at my desk usually, or I could be in bed on an iPad, uh, laying there. Cause I sit all day for work, my day job as well, but yeah, not on a couch. Not really. No, I don't know. Um, it's usually on the weekends unless it's like crunch time. Like my, uh, Marvel only sends stuff on Mondays. So you kind of have to get those done as fast as possible. There's no time to waste because you got to get it to the editors so they can edit. Because our editors edit every single word everyone's writing. So what kind of what kind of comics get you excited? What what which ones are you always looking forward to? Well, it always changes. I was a huge Dan Slott fan, and now you know I'm just okay with his Fantastic Four. Obviously, Jonathan Hickman and what he's doing with X Men is very exciting. I don't know. It, it's always changing, isn't it? Like. Grant Morrison was the coolest thing back when he was doing Batman Inc., but, you know, I'm not super into his Green Lantern right now, so, eh. But is it mostly, I mean, everything you just mentioned are superhero comics. <sighs> yeah. Are you more, is that more up your alley, or is there, are there other more indie publishers that you're also, like, kind of stoked to see what they're putting out? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm really, I really like what Dark Horse is doing. I don't think they get enough attention. I think it's always image. If you call, if you talk indie, people say image, but I don't even think image is indie anymore, right? There's way corporate. But yeah, I would say most of the stuff I'm reviewing and reading is uh, superheroes. Unless you don't, unless you, I mean, you can't count Star Wars and Conan, right? Is that superheroes? I don't know. Is it? I guess maybe the better question is Marvel and DC. Yeah, I'm mostly reviewing DC and Marvel these days. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that image is kind of its own thing because I've always kind of been working on this hierarchy of publishers and Marvel and DC are on the top. Mm-hmm. 
And I always just put Image kind of in this second slot by itself. And then, I don't know, below that, I would probably put like Dark Horse, Boom, and, and Dynamite, a few other. IDW, you mentioned. I think I know what it is. I think I know what why you're that? thinking that. Well, I think that um, Dark Horse, IDW, Dynamite, they're all doing licensed comics, right? Right. Whereas Image, do they have any licensed comics? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Maybe some random one-off. And then IDW is like mostly licensing, it seems like. Yeah, I just, I'm kind of waiting for somebody to... And I think it's actually these kind of newer, like a few I can name is like Volt Comics or Scout Comics. Oh, yeah. Black mm-hmm. Mask yeah. Studios, Mad Cave. These are like pretty small publishers, but they're doing really, yeah. like they're, I don't know, their aesthetic is on par with Image. They're really clean. The the, the branding is great. Yeah. They do a lot of original stories. I feel like yeah. it's not going to be long before one of those kind of moves up the ranks with some kind of breakout hit. You know? Yeah, I think Aftershock is one to look at That's another too. One. So for I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this are aspiring comic book creators, writers, artists, that sort of thing. So you as as a, as a reviewer, yeah. What are the I'm sure there are certain signs you see from like okay, this is professional coming from a publisher, top-notch work. You know, this is indie work but it's on par with the pros. Yeah. And then this is indie work and it's obvious. Uh-huh. Like wh- what kind of signs do you see that somebody should should know when they're when they're writing like what what are they doing wrong um i think people don't people don't see how important pacing is i think pacing is potentially the most important part of comic book storytelling you could have an amazing um splash page but if it comes at the wrong time you've effectively lost the interest of the reader even if it's the coolest picture of all time <laughs> when i when i'm reviewing you know as you said, six books, 10 books a week or whatever. Um, the pace is immediately obvious to me. If the uh, writer and artist have done their job, that single issue is still going to be as rewarding as reading the entire uh, collection once it's eventually out in paperback. Yeah, I mean, pacing is definitely an aspect of the writing. So what about the the art the art side and like maybe lettering or coloring? Are there certain things there where you're like I still think pacing is part of art as well though. I mean the the layout design, right? The number of panels you use, um, the placement of the characters, the placement of the word balloons, um, they're all a factor in how how uh, how quickly you're reading and and when the story punches you in the stomach. I just spoke to Kieran Gillen at San Diego Comic Con about uh, Once in Future, his new book with Dan Mora coming out with Boom. When he I asked him like, what is it like writing for Dan Mora? And he was saying, is it any different than writing for someone else? And he said, I leave the script open so that he can add panels, remove panels, so that he can do a big splashy monster on one page or add a little bit more uh, panel work so that there's a reaction from a character. Um, I know from speaking to Scott Snyder a few times now, when it comes to an action scene, he kind of lets them go crazy. Um, he goes, we have one and a half pages, go nuts. I think that a lot of the pacing actually falls on the artist because they're controlling the speed in which we're getting the story. I feel like artists kind of have a, yeah. a, a little better intuition about that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you are a writer, trust your artist or ask them for feedback. And if you are an artist, you know, probably speak up and yeah, yeah. Well, David, thanks for talking to me. I know, I know a lot of people who are getting into comics. One of the steps is getting their comic reviewed. I think uh, you shed a lot of light on that because it's always like this mystery. You send out an email to the black hole of the internet. You don't know who's getting it. You don't know what they're doing with it. So I think, I think it's nice to hear. Uh, 
hear your take and, and put a, a voice to the email address. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how often other websites review indie stuff, but we try to, to make an effort. I mean, if you send me a book, I'm going to tell the team about it and try to sell them on why they might want to review it. If it doesn't get reviewed, it's simply because people were too busy or it just didn't strike them on that day. It's not because it's necessarily a bad thing. All right, cool. Well, thanks uh, for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me.